Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters Podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and I've got with me my friend Chris Vines. What's up, Dan? Good to see you, man. Hey, good to see you, man. I am getting excited. SOAR 2022 is just around the corner. We are now in the month of June, and mm. we are just weeks away. Are, are you feeling yes. any sort of stress or anxiety about it? No, You know, it's a good question. I don't think stress is the right word. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited. There's always a little bit of, I would say, tension, right? Uh, instead of stress, just right around the 1st of June, because that's when the deadline for the best price uh, for SOAR is, you know, we, we extended that through uh, just through this last Monday. And so uh, if you're listening to this now and you haven't registered for SOAR, it's not too late to register. It's just too late to register for the cheapest price possible. And so that's always kind of a marker to see who's coming and all that kind of thing. But man, I can confidently tell you that, uh, man, we've got a great crowd. I mean, we're, we're right now, um, bumping the the same number that we had last year in attendance and so we're expecting to to have a bigger crowd than we did last year very excited for that thankful uh that the lord has seen fit to bless us one more year you know it is a conference with a lot of history and it is so exciting to see it on kind of the rebound after covid i mean it's always been a good strong conference uh but covid put a did a number on a lot of things uh, but to know students still want to gather, they still want to get together to to be sold out and radical. I love that old, I mean, that's what SOAR stands for. Um, yeah. But that's what happens when you name a, a conference in the early 90s and it sticks. And so it's <laughs> a good right. one. That's right. You know, we've kind of rephrased that just a little bit. So for any of our listeners out there who are um, still getting to know what SOAR is or maybe you've never heard of it, um, SOAR is simply a, a conference for the teenagers of the Baptist Missionary Association of America. And uh, that is what we, our church, is a part of. But we're open to anybody and everybody coming to our conference. But uh, essentially, every, every year that we gather, we focus on uh, leading teenagers to learn the Word of God, love their church, and live sold-out radical lives for Christ. And uh, so we're excited to do that again this year. One of the cool things that I love seeing is that we have some of our friends from different departments within our group of churches that show up and they support and love on the students. Uh, Some of the colleges come, uh, Jacksonville College, uh, Southeastern College. These are colleges that are connected with the BMA at different state levels. Uh, But our podcast partner, Central Baptist College, is one of those. And they give out scholarships and often will give out a free T-shirt and some other fun stuff like that. And so I want you to stop by their table. If you're headed to SOAR, take your students by there, get them exposed to Central Baptist College. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. It's a place that uh, we care a lot about. Uh, We love the instructors there. We love the mindset of being Christ-focused as they pursue all sorts of different vocations. And so 
uh, check them out while you're at SOAR or just go to cbc.edu and learn more about Central Baptist College. Well, on today's podcast, Chris and I are going to be talking with Seth Raymond. Uh, Seth is a student pastor at Farley Street Baptist Church in Waxahatchee, Texas. He is 28 years old, married with uh, two boys, and he has served in student ministry since 2012. Welcome to the podcast, Seth. Hey, how's it going? We are thrilled that you're on here with us today as we continue our series that's kind of focusing in on our SOAR conference. We have breakout groups. We've talked about the importance and value of those things. And Seth is going to be leading one of those breakout groups. He's going to be talking about quiet time hacks. And so I'm excited to hear from him today as we talk about helping students embrace their quiet times. And so we want to get to know Seth a little bit more before we get into the the heart and the, the meat of our conversation. So Seth, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you come to meet Jesus? Well, it was... Um... Man, I, I kind of started going to the church scene when I became a freshman in high school, and I went with a, a friend, and I mean, if I'm being honest, I was there for the girls. Uh, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> just kind of <laughs> how everything started out for me, I guess. So through that, I met a bunch of various different people, and um, I became really good friends with a guy by the name of Tanner Spurlock, and he was um, leading worship for the student ministry at a church in the Mansfield area, and he invited me to come with him. I was like, I don't have a ride because I don't drive. He did. So he took me. He came to my house every Sunday morning, picked me up. We had a, a thing on Wednesdays called Fusion, which was kind of like the Wednesday night service that, you know, I do today with my youth ministry and stuff like that. But ultimately, um, we had it in like host homes. And so I kind of began to get this different understanding of like who Jesus was and what he did for me. And it kind of started hitting on a more like personal note, which um, was a really good thing because growing up, my parents had instilled like good Christian morals in me and things like that. But it was never uh, like we didn't go to church all the time. You know, we were what I like to call creasters. We went on Christmas and Easter were the only two times that I ever set nice. foot in the church growing up. When I kind of started having that personal sort of like, I guess, convictions, the right word there when I started having that personal conviction on like who Jesus was and what he's done for me, it took a couple of years. It was my junior year going into my senior year of high school. And man, it was honestly the most crazy experience um, that I've ever had. Like I often look back at like the story of Paul and his road to Damascus experience when he met Jesus and that 180 life, like complete life change that he had was I feel like I relate to that a lot. Not like I was a super terrible person like, you know, Saul, you know, before he became Paul. But it was, uh, you know, <laughs> I was not at church for the right reasons. My heart was never in the right place. I was seeking complete selfish ambitions and just all about me and what I could do to make myself look better. And then when I met Jesus that summer going into um, my senior year, I just felt my life completely flip the other direction. I was sitting in this auditorium with probably a thousand other kids and I, uh, the pastor at the time, he was on stage saying, if you deny me in front of your friends, I will deny you in front of my father. It literally felt like in that moment, God had orchestrated just for me. He probably only said it like once or twice, but it just kept ringing in my head like over and over and over again. And it felt like it was five or six minutes that I just sat there wrestling with God about man, dude, like, I don't want to give up my friends. I don't want to have to like quit pursuing the things that 
you know, feel good to me. And like, I'm not, I I was like, God, I don't want to do that. Five an eternity went by, I guess. I don't know how to describe that, but man, it was, it was cool because I remember being in the back of that auditorium wrestling with Jesus. And then I looked up and I was on my knees at the altar, like just broken over my sin and over what I had done. And it's like, it all of a sudden just clicked and Man, not to say that I was immediately like all good and like all my problems were solved because I think we know that's not how coming to Christ and salvation works. Like you still struggle a little bit, but it was um, just really, really cool just to see how like and feel honestly the experience of how not only real God is, but how much God truly loves us and is broken for us over the sin that we that we do. And so it was just really, really um, incredible that I guess that salvific moment for me to know Jesus, to know his love, um, and to have this just all consuming like desire and passion just to follow him with the rest of my life. Like, it's like, I didn't matter anymore. It's like, all I wanted to do was do the will of God. Seth, let me ask you, what led you to student ministry? You've been in it since 2012. Yeah. So (laughs) that's kind of a funny story too. When I was in high school, I graduated high school in 2012. Um, I had, you know, been serving in the student ministry as like a, as a student leader. So I, I plugged in just wherever I could. And, and I, I really did enjoy it. But around that time, like I said, when I accepted Christ, all my struggles didn't just magically disappear. I was still pursuing a career at that point when I had graduated in uh, geology. I don't know why, but I, I do find it interesting, just rocks and things like that. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, but whatever. And so I went to uh, college to start my career for geology. And my professor about, well, year and a half, two years into my, to all my science courses, which were all geology, she pulled me aside after class one day and she was like, Seth, I really just don't think geology is for you, which I was completely thrown back by because typically your teacher says that and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm failing. What's happening? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that was not the case. I knew that I wasn't failing. Like I never, uh, not like a braggy way, but I had aced all the tests. I was studying really like a lot for it because it's what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel and see the world and do geology at the same time. And I just thought it was going to be a really awesome experience. But she's like, yeah, I don't really think this is the way for you. Like she said, I see the way that you're, that you talk with your peers, how you relate to them. I see the way that you like pray for them. Cause I did do that in class, you know, and she was a, she was a Christian as well. She was an awesome professor, but she was like, I just, I really feel like the Lord is like prompted me to tell you that geology is not the right way for you. And so I was like, that's really weird. I don't like what she said. I appreciate it, but thank you. Um, I'll pray about it. So I took that back to my student pastor and I was just like, man, dude, my teacher just told me I'm not going to be a geologist. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so he and I, like we prayed about it. He encouraged me to fast and around 20, yeah, about 2013, 2012 is, or sorry, 2013, 2014 is about when I felt the confirmation that, yeah, I need to submit my life to vocational ministry. And I was like, I love student ministry. I kind of expressed that to my youth pastor. And so he, he encouraged me to continue to pray about it. And, you know, I was like, I still don't know if this is the right way for me. I had originally declined going. So I graduated from Dallas Baptist University and I originally declined even wanting to go there in the first place. So what happened was I said, okay, I'm going to submit my application to DBU 
And if I get accepted, that's the Lord telling me that I'm going to go to vocational ministry and do this with the rest of my life in student ministry. Man, it wasn't but like a week and a half or two weeks before I had gotten an acceptance letter in the mail from DBU. And I said, okay, I guess this is what God wants me to do. And I, I just, I fell in love with, you know, all my classes, all the studies. Honestly, I fell more in love with the Bible and with Jesus. And man, it was just, yeah. So I don't know, just funny story. Teacher told me, no, <laughs> you're not going to be a geologist. You're going to go do something else. And so it ended up being student ministry, which I knew it was going to be something vocational, but I, I just, um, I don't know. I, I love student ministry. I think it's really cool. I think there's a real connection there. The uh, rocks <laughs> and the rock-headed kids that we deal with. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I've got a question for both you and, and for Chris. Uh, you know, what, what's your favorite thing about student ministry? That's a tough question. Honestly, you've heard the saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm living the dream. <laughs> like every day. Coming to work is not coming to work. Uh, it's, I don't know. I kind of just love everything. The thing about like planning student trips and events and things like that is like, yeah, I love the planning because I get really excited. I think what I get most excited about is uh, probably just the, the relationships and the, and the teaching of all of it. Yeah, I think it's, I just, I don't know. I want the students to have an understanding of how important scripture is in the relationship that they have with Jesus. That's probably what I'm most passionate about. It's just really just driving home the gospel with these kids because if they know it, you know, the Matthew 28, the great commission to go and make disciples, like you can't make a disciple if you're not a disciple. And so I think what I love the most is just that, you know, let's drive home the gospel. Let's help you be a disciple. Let's, let's accomplish that common command that every single Christian is called to do. What about you, Chris? Little Debbie's on Wednesday night. Yes. (laughs) That's my favorite part. (laughs) Favorite part. Oh man. No, uh, I, you know, I really love seeing kind of like to, to use, uh, something that Seth has already kind of explained, you know, I, I love seeing light bulbs, go off in, mm, yeah. um, in, in the minds and, uh, dare I say hearts of, of teenagers, you know, whenever things just click, uh, when you're preaching and, um, the word of God is just, uh, it's penetrating their hearts, you know, and, and you can see that, uh, man, there's a, there's a shift, um, not just in, in a, in the, the five or 10 minutes of, of you teaching, but, you know, in the days following, right. And then it, that leads to conversations of, of, um, more serious nature, right. Of what next and how can I, how can I keep pursuing Christ in a deeper way? Um, so yeah, in a word, like Seth said to me, it's discipleship, but it's, 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 it's really cool to see when a teenager or anybody for that matter realizes that there's, uh, that, that that's, that they, they take ownership of that. And, um, Ooh. And it's not just something that they're doing. They're not just going through a process because this is where they are in life right now, but it's, they, they genuinely love Christ. They know that Christ genuinely loves them and, and they want to press in, uh, in that relationship. You know, you both have talked a little bit about this or not just a little bit, but a a great deal about this idea of discipleship. And it's one of the reasons that I love, I love the breakout groups that we do at SOAR because it kind of, um, 
gives an opportunity to pour into a smaller group. And sometimes those breakout groups are big, but they're not a thousand people all together at once. And so there's opportunity for students to really interact with, with a youth leader that may not be their own and to be able to talk with them. Seth, you, the name of your breakout group at SOAR this year is Quiet Time Hacks. And so oh. just to make sure that we're all on the same page, we've got listeners from across the country and even several different countries around the world. How would you define the term quiet time? Honestly, it's going to look different for a lot of people. Sure. Um, I think when you really look at what it is, it's just getting away with Jesus. It's finding that moment where you can isolate yourself from distractions and from just outside things, just trying to take your attention away. And it's a moment where you get to focus on, um, you know, on a few things like with the Lord, depending on your life circumstances and situations. And I, and I appreciate the the definition because we we're going to throw out that term a lot today. Um, it's something that for those of us in in churches, um, we were very comfortable with that. Well, have you had your quiet time today? We ask that in that part of that Christian language that we speak. So, um, but why are quiet times so important for us and for our students? It, that, why is it important for us to get away with Jesus? Well, so when you look back in Scripture, Jesus needed quiet time. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of how you know. It's how I think about it. There was so many moments in Scripture where Jesus intentionally chose to not be with people so that he could be alone with, you know, his heavenly father. And, you know, I think the way that translates for us is like, we need to get away and get into a quiet space. Not necessarily where it's quiet. I mean, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's the, you know, with each person's quiet time looking different. Like I like to have like just instrumental music playing in the background or something like that, but you know, not necessarily a quiet place, but just a place where you're away with Jesus. And we do this so that we can learn from God. We want to learn from his word because part of being a disciple is being a student of scripture. And the more you know, like the more, the more you're able to help share the gospel, to help lead people and point people to Christ. Something I've always said is you, um, you've got to have a plan for Satan or a strategy for Satan because Satan has a strategy for you. And I always reference the Luke, the Luke chapter four, I believe, where Jesus is, you know, tempted in the desert and Satan is tempting him and Satan is using scripture against Jesus, which I think is just ridiculous in the first place, but it happens. And I think that's the thing. It's like, man, Satan came to Jesus with a plan. And I think the same thing is true for us. Like Satan is coming to us and wanting to attack us and our faith and wanting to steal, kill and kill and destroy it. And if we don't know scripture, it's hard to combat the lies that Satan can easily feed us and the lies that we are so susceptible to believe. So we need scripture. We need to get away in a quiet place to where we can actually read scripture and study it and learn from it. I've actually got a few more reasons why like we actually need a quiet time. I mean, like Jesus in Mark 6, 30 and 32, he, he went away or he didn't go away, but he encouraged his disciples to go away and find a quiet place to rest after they had just done like a, a huge work. And this is really important because we get really tired in our day-to-day lives and whether it be routines or whether it be, I mean, I'm a student pastor, so students in school, 
um, when they're when they're bogged down with homework and with projects, and you know maybe they're homeschooled and they got mom and dad like not only having their schoolwork on them, but now they got chores to do and you know other events that they're attempting to go to, and then there's church that comes around and that's requiring you know effort and attendance and for you to be at because maybe you volunteered to serve on the worship team or that you're a volunteer in children's ministry or whatever that may look like. You're doing a lot of work and you're doing a lot of things and your schedules are really, really full. And that's, you know, I'm guilty of that. I fill my schedule constantly. But it's, you know, it's that importance of when Jesus encouraged his disciples, you know, there's been people who are following you all around. You need to find a place. You need to go away and you just need to rest. You need that time to rest in Jesus. You need that time to speak with your heavenly father. You need that time just to recuperate. Like it's really important because the world is going to throw so much stuff at you easily as as a distraction to keep you from being a student of the word and to keep you from spending more time with Jesus. Because the less time you spend with Jesus, the harder it becomes to fall deeper in love with him. So in Mark chapter six, when he told his disciples, you know, you need to go and find a place to rest. It's important that you have that quiet time for rest. You can also find it to, or not, sorry, not find it, but you can also have that quiet time to help find guidance. Like, I referenced like when I, you know, was being called into student ministry, that moment after my teacher had said, man, like you're not going to be, a, you know, a, a geologist. My foundation was sh- like shaken. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do the rest of my life. And so I needed to find guidance on what I was supposed to do. I needed to know God's plan for my life. So the only way to do that was to have quiet time with Jesus, to talk to him, to pray with him, to, um, you know, just get away from the distractions and the noise so that I can find clarity and wisdom through Jesus in what God was wanting me to do with my life instead of what I was wanting me to do with my life. Yeah. You know, and the last the last thing that I've got comes out of Luke chapter five. You know, it's just one of the many times in scripture that Jesus chose to spend alone time. And he 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 does this to focus on prayer. Um, I know my breakout group is not about prayer, but it is about quiet time. And But prayer, I believe, is such a huge part of having a quiet time with the Lord because um, something I tell my students is <laughs> you can't have a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to. And at the like bare root of what prayer is, it's just talking to Jesus. It's just having a conversation with Him. And so when you focus on that time where you're just focusing on prayer and communing and just talking with Jesus, it's going to add depth to that relationship. And ultimately it's going to add more quality to your quiet time because you're not only learning from like the creator of literally everything, but you are talking to him because he wants to be your friend and he wants to be by your side. You know, he sent his son to die for you. So what, what, what more can we do besides just, you know, at the bare minimum talk to you know, our savior. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's important. Yeah, it is. It is it, like you said, and you tell your students, um, you know, how are you going to have a relationship with someone that you don't talk to? And so it is, is vital to do those things. Well, Seth, we know kind of what we're talking about. What's it look like for you? Well, I'll, I'll kind of preface it this way, because like I said, everybody's quiet time can look different. Um, yeah. Mine used to be, you know, really, really just kind of the bones of of a quiet time. I'd sit, I'd read scripture, I'd think about it for a minute, and then I'd pray. 
Um, that eventually evolved into me keeping a journal of my prayers, which then eventually led to keeping a journal of like the commentary that I had as I was reading scripture. So that actually helped me retain scripture a lot better, which then, you know, evolved into when I, at this point, got into college and started studying, man, like I had resources at my fingertips. So commentaries and, you know, what I thought versus what those commentaries thought. And then to, you know, just taking the word at what it's worth. And then of course, like, um, in college I, I took, uh, Greek classes. So like whenever, like when I read the new Testament, like I was able to take that back to the original language. And I, so today <laughs> my quiet time is very involved. I, I, I do a lot in my quiet time, which is not, I wouldn't honestly say it's recommended for any new Christian for sure, or new believer, because it's, <laughs> it can be kind of, in, kind of intimidating, but what it looks like for me now is I sit down at my table, I have my iPad and I use the Logos Bible software. And so what I do is uh, I, I pull up, you know, Spotify or iTunes or YouTube and I just put on like some really chill, like, well, I, I like to vibe to like some jazz music. So like I'll throw on some really nice jazz music in the background, very soft and subtle, you know, like coffee house vibes, I guess, because I don't drink coffee, but I like the vibe of coffee. So um <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to curate that environment for me because that's what I was used to in college. And that's what really, really helped me study and learn and retain that information. So I try to recreate as much of that environment as I can. So I put on some nice jazz music in the background and I just kind of start with prayer. I feel like that's always a really good place to start. Like, man, I don't, I don't know what God's going to tell me today. Um, you know, his word is always good. I believe that it never returns void. And, um, I, I don't know. So I always just want to start the like start my time just asking God to show me what it is he wants me to hear from him this morning. I, I ask him to help me have understanding of the passage. Um, and if that I don't understand that I would be able to find the resources to help me understand because you want to understand scripture. <laughs> it's so important. So you need to understand it. And, um, and then I just kind of dive in. So I'll take... Typically, when I do my own studies, I don't read more than a chapter at a time because, like I've mentioned, my study is kind of in-depth. So um, anything more than a chapter, I just kind of get on information overload. Um, and then by the end of it, I'm just kind of, well, mentally exhausted. And I'm like, I don't want to be mentally exhausted from God's Word. I want to be fired up and ready to share that with somebody. So that's kind of like what I'm what I'm thinking as I'm doing this quiet time. So I take it a chapter at a time. As I'm reading it, I'm writing out my own commentary on, you know, context and what I think is happening and, you know, what I think the, you know, the author is reading. And then I will take that to an actual commentary and a scholar who's much smarter than I am and um, kind of see what what wisdom this commentary has to share. And after I kind of do all of that, I'll kind of compile both of those into it's really like the same process I use for my sermon prep. But it's the um, I'll take what the actual, the real commentator said versus me, and then I'll um, you know kind of see where our thoughts align and anything that I don't understand from the commentary I think about, and then I always at the very end I will always close my quiet time in prayer. So as I do this, my first prayer when I start out with I don't write it down, but my last prayer at the very end I will write it out um, in my my journal. So word for word, what my prayer is. And 
honestly doing that, as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting um, at home looking at my very tiny library and um, I was looking at it and I found an old journal of mine. And so I was just like, you know, what? let me just open it and see where I was. I don't know, six years ago. So I had opened it and I, you know, I've been writing out my, my prayers for a long time. So I opened it and I was like able to kind of see like, man, I remember struggling with that. And then I look at it today and it's like, holy cow, man, like I'm free of that. Like, I don't worry about that anymore. Like God has taken that. He has freed me from this. And um, so it just kind of fuels the fire for me a little bit to like continue to write down my prayers. Cause I don't know, 10, 20 years from now, if I go back and look at these journals that I've kept, I want to like, it's a reminder of how God keeps his promises, how God is moving, how God is continually working in my life. And I get to see that and rejoice in it, you know, and it's just one more thing that I have to be able to share with somebody else. So, you know, I've always finished by writing out my prayers at the very end. And I love that. I love the idea of journals because of what you just described. You're able to go back. You can see how God was working in your heart and life and how he answered those prayers. How about you, Chris? What's a quiet time look like? I mean, a lot of the same elements, you know. Um, What I do and what I'll say in answer to your question is just kind of how I genuinely advise someone who's starting out on a quiet time. And I I, I think... And I think we all would probably agree and say some, some similar things and is find a consistent time, a consistent place and, and have a consistent plan. Right. Mm, um, that's good. And, uh, and, and going in a little bit further in depth on that, you know, the place that you pick, make sure, like Seth said, it's free of distraction. Um, so I have a place that I like to go each day and, uh, and I, I don't take, I don't take certain things with me that could distract me. Um, one of the big ones in our day and time is obviously our phone have a consistent time. And I always, I always tell people like, think about, think about your year in full. And, and when you come to picking your time. So for instance, like right now in the summer, it, it's, it's easy for us to get into the rhythm of staying up a little bit later and sleeping in a little bit later because we're maybe not having to go to school at eight o'clock or seven forty-five or things like that. And so, you know, for a teenager, if you say, you know, they say, I'm going to start my quiet time at eight fifteen, right? That's fine. Good. But I would, I would, I would say, I would ask a question like, well, what does 815 look like August through May? And they say, oh yeah, that, I'm probably going to be in math class or something like that. Right. And so I try to, I try to help them think through, all right, look, you're going to set yourself up for success. If you can pick a time that's going to remain consistent throughout the year, right. Um, no matter where you are. And, and I always like using SOAR as an example in this as well, because you know, most people don't like waking up early. Let's just put it that way, right? Especially teenagers. Listen, we know that there is nothing extra holy about waking up at 4.30 in the morning or five o'clock in the morning and having a quiet time, right? I mean, a person a person needs to think about how they're wired and all that kind of stuff. I mean, a quiet time, devotional time, whatever we want to call it, can be just as well done in the evening hours as it can be in the morning hours. Um, so, I said that, but I will say this, that very rarely do we face times in our life, seasons, conferences, camps, all this kind of stuff where um, the schedule of the day starts at five in the morning, right? So in other words, I can go to SOAR, I can be in Dallas, I can be in a hotel, I can be out of my normal place, but what can remain consistent is the time that I go to the Lord, right? Because if I'm spending, say, say my time is six o'clock in the morning, well, good news for everybody going to soar. 
we're not doing anything at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Our days are going to start at like eight thirty in the morning, right? And so you can have time, right, to spend with the Lord there. And then, um, and then, lastly, Seth goes through. I mean, his plan, right? He's got a plan every time he goes to be with the Lord. And um, and you know, one thing I think we all just heard right there is Seth, your plan has has grown over the time, you know, over the years that you've spent coming back to your consistent time and your consistent place with the Lord, much like, you know, someone who goes to the gym and works out, you know, a a first time gym goer isn't going to go in there and spend two and a half hours working out every muscle of their body, right? If they do, they won't be able to move for the next week, right? (laughs) The first time gym goer needs to understand that, you know what, success for me is walking through the door and then let's move for 15 minutes, right? Let's do something in the gym productive for 15 minutes and then let's go, right? Let's get out of the gym. We did our gym time that day. And I would say a good, uh, you know, someone who's starting to go to the gym, do that for two weeks straight, right? Build in some consistency of go of walking through the door and moving for 15 minutes, right? Well, when it comes to quiet time, I mean, we are in a very real way, um, practicing godliness. Something that Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy um, specifically to him is practice godliness, right? Um, We know that bodily training is good for the present, but godliness is something that's good not only for the present, but for the life to come, right? And so, and but he talks in verbiage that is about training ourselves, persisting in those things. For someone who's starting a quiet time um, or wants to get back into one, think in terms of like you're walking into the gym for the first time. Um, And also understand that the Lord is not keeping count of how many minutes that you're you're reading his word, right? He's not keeping a checklist. And and so maybe one of the last things that I think about in terms of my own quiet time is the, the Lord is more concerned with, he's more concerned with my genuine wanting to be with him rather than just checking off the box of did my quiet time today. That, that's, that's the things that I think through. That's the, how I, I would coach anybody um, who's starting out with a quiet time is consistent time, consistent place and a consistent plan. That idea of a checklist is something that's kind of plagued me over the years because that's how my brain works. I want, all right, I've got to check this off my list and now I've done what God wants me to do. So now I'm spiritual. Um, yeah. I think you both have shared this idea. It's, it's about spending time with, with Jesus and just being there with him and knowing him and as student ministry workers. So here's the, the question for you, Seth, um, what are some practical things that we can do to help our students embrace their quiet time? Honestly, I like what Chris was saying. The, um, the, con- well, <laughs> I don't want to say like consistent word was consistent, but it was, um, <laughs> you know, it's consistency. It's, yeah. you know, here, here at Farley street, we have something called the five, five, five. And one of the, one of the fives is spending at least five minutes of prayer with the Lord a day. And it doesn't mean that you should only spend five minutes with Jesus and that be all that you spend with Jesus, but it's, it's a, it's a place to start kind of like mine. It started with just the bare bones of just reading scripture, praying and being done, you know, to where it is now, like I said, involved, but the place to start is going to be with consistency. It's going to be with that understanding that like, Hey, this is not well, one of the things that like my student, I feel like with student ministry so much, it's because I related to it too when I was in student ministry was 
I just feel like I'm checking off a box. And now that my box is checked, I've done my Jesus for today, you know, and then I get to go do whatever else I want with no reverence to what I read, no understanding of what I read, no respect for what I read or, you know, not even learn what I read. I already forgot what I read because I just read it one ear out the other. And now I'm moving on with the rest of my day. But finding that that consistent place to to sit down and do it that way, you you know, that place is where you can go, that it's free of distractions. You can eliminate those things. You can isolate yourself with Jesus and then to consistently like wake up at the same time to do it, you know, or before you go to bed. Some of my student, students, they like to read scripture before they go to bed. And that's totally fine. I have one particular student. Um, he's an awesome kid, but he uh, what he does is he sends he's got a list of people who um, he sends scripture out to, and then he kind of sends a little Devo to them as well. Um, it's really cool. He does it every morning and every night. So, I mean, the dude's always in the word. He's, he's studying it. He's loving it. He's learning from it. He's being challenged by it and encouraged by it. Like, so um, <laughs> I, I think, I think of him when I think of consistency because uh, once he asked me, he was like, Hey Seth, do you want to be on my list? And I said, sure, man, why not? So, uh, <laughs> I, I kid you not. He has not missed a single day in like three weeks that I've been on his list. Like there's never been a time that he's not sent something to me, um, in the morning when he first wakes up and then right before he goes to bed, I guess. I don't, I don't know what, like, I mean, it kind of varies at what time, but at night, but it's just, he still does it every single time. And so it's, it's that level of consistency that you have to have. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a chore. It's not a checkbox, but it's something you do. And I'm, I promise I won't go into a long message on this one, but it's a word that you do with intentionality. That one, that's a key thing that I always kind of talk to my students about. You have to do it intentionally because if you're not intentional with it, it's going to kind of be like, you are just checking the box to say, okay, you got it done. And then when someone asks you, you know, it's like when you come in from school and your mom asks you, hey, what'd you learn at school today? I don't know, because I didn't listen at school all day today. Like, <laughs> that's just where the students are at. Like, hey, what'd you read in scripture this morning? I don't know. I just read it and I didn't pay any attention to what I was reading. Right. So it's the it's being consistent with your time place. And then it's being intentional with what you're reading. You know, like find something in scripture that you want to read about and then go for it. And that's going to spark your desire to want to know more. So. I always find that being a good place to start. Well, can you think of any other things for of our listeners, you know, student ministry workers, full-time, part-time, uh, volunteer guys, as they're meeting with their students, uh, what are some practical things that we could say, okay, do this with your students and that's going to help them in this area? Um, I would honestly say help them start journaling. Um, okay. The, the repetition of writing down, whether it's like whether their journal is literally them writing down scripture verses that stand out to them as they're reading, or it's them writing out their prayer, or it's them writing out their own commentary on what they think scripture is saying. Like, I think when they start journaling, they begin to retain more information that they can then think about throughout the day, right? Like we're supposed to meditate on the word as well. You know, meditation is something that's a totally different topic, but it does look different for everybody as well. Like I like to meditate on scripture as I, you know, go through my day. Like what I read, like what I read this morning, I get to think about all day long. I, I get to think about when I'm having lunch or when I'm, you know, maybe it comes up 
casually in a conversation, right? So like when I write it down, I find more quality and more value in what I've read versus having just read it and moving on. Chris, what else you got to add today? I would just say um, one thing that we we need to understand ourselves and also um, you know shepherd our, our students with is the goal for the quiet time, the goal for spending time with the Lord, and um, the goal is not just to get a good feeling in ourselves because one of the things that we have to talk about eventually um, is how to have a quiet time when the feeling isn't there, um, how to keep having a quiet time when the feelings um, of the good feelings, right. Are, are gone, so to speak. Um, because I think we would all nod our heads at uh, the reality that when there, there are days and, and a lot of times there are several days in a row where we go through the practice of everything that we've talked about, the quiet time, uh, we sit at our spot, we open the word, we have our journal. Um, and at the end of that 15, 20, 30 minutes or an hour, there's, there's no feeling, right? We've, we've done, we've done all the work, yeah. right? We've done all the things, yeah. but there's nothing here. There's nothing, nothing feeling. And so and and at that point, like if, if, if you're so accustomed to having the feelings, because a lot of times for someone who's just starting this out, the newness and the consistency of it, there comes a lot of good feelings there. That's, that's, that's a grace of God right there. But then there's times mm-hmm. where he begins to teach us and, and I think really challenge us individually on what, what are we relying on? Are we relying on just the feeling that we're getting or are we relying upon him? And, and so um, we need to think in terms of what is our goal when it comes to sitting with the Lord? What are we after? Are we after a feeling? Are we after just something that we get? Or, or are we a- actually after the what we're talking about here of being with God, of knowing Him, learning who He is, receiving the grace of His Word into our life and allowing it to transform us in the moment, but also allowing it to keep transforming us as we move away from that place. And that's, again, that's part of that growth process of spending time with the Lord. But it is one that we've got to remember and, and have to be aware of, um, because I think a lot of times that's that's one of the reasons why people stop having a quiet time. Because mm-hmm. I hear people, I, I hear people say this all the time. I know you guys too, do too. Like if I ask, why are you not having a quiet time anymore? And they say, well, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it anymore. We've got to press in on that because one, they're coming, whoever says that is being very honest. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we know exactly what they're saying and why they're saying that, because we have felt that same thing as well. Right. And so we have to, we have to think a little bit deeper in what are we doing here? What's the purpose? And I, you know, Seth, you've rightly brought up Jesus and him getting away with the Lord. Um, and, and I, that's, that's something I go back to all the time. I mean, to think that the that Jesus Christ himself, the son of God, um, saw fit to get away and pray and meditate and spend time with his father. Um, but we also have to remember that he did that in the garden of Gethsemane Mm -hmm. and that wasn't a pleasant experience, (laughs) but yet it was a quiet time. It was a time of devotion, but he came out of that in anguish. And so that's just something to, to consider, right? In terms of 
what we're really after when it comes to um, our time spent with the Lord. And I would say that what we have to be after is is just a, a, a submission to His Lordship, right? That He is God, and whether I get the feelings that I want or not, I'm going to worship Him and I'm going to spend time with Him because this is how He has ordained for me to spend time with Him. This is how He has made a way for me to to draw near. And whether He draws near to me in that moment or 10 years from now, I can trust that his word is going to remain true, that as I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. There's a common thought process going on here today as we talk about this, and it's an idea of being intentional and helping our students understand that we need to get away with God, whether or not it feels good, that he has something there for us in those hard moments, in the good moments, um, it's just incredibly important. Seth, thank you so much for um, being on the podcast with us today. If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Honestly, I guess my Instagram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they can reach out through Insta- Instagram. They can um, reach out to the church. I'm, I'm always available. So uh, I'm happy to talk about more about this or answer any questions anybody else has. But yeah, so all, all that's... Yeah, I guess Instagram cool. and church. Well, we'll put links to those things in the show notes. And I just want to say again, thank you so much, Seth, for being on the podcast. Um, one final thing, though, do you have any resources that you might recommend for the student ministry workers that are trying to kind of embrace and understand these concepts as they, as they work through it with their students? Well, student ministry is very vast, and there's going to be a lot of different things that kind of come up in it. Like, honestly, as as many books as you can read, um, I just say pick up books. <laughs> leaders are learners, or leaders are readers. So, um, yeah. I just, and learners, I just, yes. And learners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That That's what I would say. Just pick up a book, and uh, a student student ministry matters. Um, it's it, it does, so... You just yeah. pick up a pick up a student ministry book and just spend some time unpacking that. Awesome. Well, there are some great choices out there. We're big fans of Sam Burek's book, Fulfill Your Student Ministry, but there are others, and we'd be more than happy to help you. If you're looking for some resources, contact us at info at studentministrymatters.com. We want to get you set up and ready to go. Yes, Don Don S. Whitney Don S. Don Whitney's book, uh, "Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life," is kind of a staple out there. If you haven't read that one, it's very good. Uh, in fact, I think the first couple of chapters are on what he calls Bible intake, which I love the idea of the idea of, of Bible intake, not necessarily Bible reading, even though that is one way of intaking God's Word. And so, pick up uh, Don Whitney's book, "Spiritual Christ- Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life." Well, we have a, a group at our church called Faithful Men, and there's also a Faithful Women group, and we read a book and then have a Bible study once a month about it. So we just read a book called Read This First. So I'll put a link to the show notes there. It's a great book about those first steps as you start working your way through God's Word. Um, it's a it's a great read. Well, again, we want to be readers. We want to be learners in this process as we lead our students, as we love on them, as we care about them. And we do all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com.
or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.